0: Hello and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodie and I am your host and I apologize. I'm a little late getting this podcast together. Um I don't know if I have a good reason why, but I have a reason. Uh basically it's family. <laughs> we had uh let's see, we had uh we've been so busy and I've talked about this like way too much in the last couple months, but we've been so busy. Like, my wife's birthday was a long time ago, and we celebrated it yesterday. That was the first time we had a chance to celebrate my wife's birthday. So I wanted to make it special. So, you know, I'm making the cake. I'm making dinner. I'm, you know, Friday night I was cleaning the house, and the cake took forever to make. And I'm up till 1 o'clock in the morning uh, basically babysitting the cake. I did write some notes and stuff, but I really didn't feel like recording at 1 o'clock in the morning. And then Saturday... The traffic in Phoenix is so bad. We were on our way home, and there's freeway construction, and there's road construction. Uh, we went to the puppet show. There's just general road construction on all the side roads, so traffic. it took us two hours. It took us literally maybe 28 minutes to get to the puppet show, and it took us over two hours to get home. So, And then we had the party, and uh, I promptly, let's see, my niece, who's kind of like our daughter... She stayed the night uh, for slumber party with my wife and my kids, and my sister-in-law stayed the night kind of a slumber party from, with my wife and kids, and I promptly went to bed at 9.30. Like, my father-in-law left about 9.15, and I was in bed asleep by 9.30, crashed, done. So, and today we had guests, because like I said, we've been pushing everything off, so we've been pushing people off to hang out with them, so... We're trying to get those things scheduled so we don't look like big jerks. Because for the last year, we've kind of just kind of put a shield up and we're like, no, no, we're not doing anything. (sighs) But now I get to record. So what's new? What's new with you guys? Uh, What's new with me is I've got this podcast called Kilowatt, but I'm also doing another podcast uh, that's an offshoot of Kilowatt called Kilobit. See, see how that happened there? Kilobit. On the Anchor app, so if you go and download the Anchor app for your phone, you can listen to it if you want to, but basically, there's so many things that I want to talk about, but I do want to keep this show, like we've talked about in the past, somewhat time-constrained because I want to talk about everything, and the longer that I talk, the worse the podcast gets. So, I'm only good for 20 to 30 minutes, and even then, I'm not great, so... I'm not even, I probably am not even good for the 20 to 30 minutes. So I thought, well, I'll just do something real short form. My goal for Killabit is to be more like daily tech headlines. If you listen to that, where it's just basically it's headlines, some nuggets of information, kind of like what we do in our Killabit section for this podcast, but not, um, doesn't go in depth. And, um, yeah, it's gonna. I'll put one out. I'm gonna try to put one out once a week, five to six minutes long. And hopefully, you know, it catches on. And if you want more Tesla and EV and renewable energy news, go over there. And I'm trying not to share stories between them. I did today, uh, just one or two, um, but I'm trying not to share stories in between because. Uh, I want it to be something new and you can listen to it with fresh ears and not have to worry about, oh, I've already I've already heard all this. Because I actually thought about just cutting this section of kilobit out of this podcast and then throwing it up there. But I was like, well, I don't know that that's... Like, if you listen to both, um, why would you listen to both if there's not new stuff and new information up there? So I'm not doing that. But uh, let's see how... things that I like don't know that I have oh you know what I bought this little tool and I can't remember what it's called but I'll put a link in the show notes I have to put these little like threaded Mm. you know I'm not going to that's too obscure what do I like what do I like still like enjoying the movie oh Wild Country on Netflix the documentary Wild Country about uh, uh, the religious sect that was in Portland uh, they came from India and wound up in Portland I'm only three episodes in But it's really very good So that's what I like Wild Country on Netflix Okay Let's talk about Other stuff First of all I want to thank everybody Who supports this show on Patreon And I appreciate Both of you And thank you very much And I enjoy our interactions back and forth That is a lot of fun Uh, If you want to become a Patreon subscriber, it's really easy. There's two ways. One, it's the AMP level, and you just get access to a special Patreon feed, which I'm actually planning a series for that. Number two is the $5 level, and you get access to the feed. You get some stickers, although everybody gets stickers. You get some stickers and uh, kilowatt stickers, and you get access to our Slack, and you can chat with myself and James if you want to. And, yeah, so when we get 10 monthly subscribers on Patreon, I'm going to give away a Tesla Supercharger phone charger. It works with Android, and it works with uh, iPhone, so I don't think it works with most Windows. I don't know if it works with Windows phones. I don't even know if Windows phones are around. Android, iPhone, you're covered. When we get to 10 Patreon subscribers, or supporters, they're not really subscribers, So, that should be fun. $45 value, that is. So, the Bloomberg Model 3 update. Tesla, according to Bloomberg, has produced 19,438 cars. And right now, they're up to 2,616 per week. So, getting on up there. And we're going to talk about that more here in a little bit. As far as Tesla's, where they're at with their cars. There's some cool videos I put up there. One is uh, a Tesla automatically changing lanes in a construction zone. So that's pretty cool. The car's obviously learning. The Model 3 on the Autobahn. Tesla battery technology explained. This is a really cool video or a series of videos, and I highly suggest that. And then we talked a little bit last week about CBS um, Morning Show and Elon Musk's interview. I didn't see that there was anything that was that revolutionary, so I didn't really include it in this podcast. But if you want to watch it, all eight videos, I included a link to where you could see those. Now, having said and talked about reformatting this show to something that's a little bit more, that makes more sense, you know, uh, categorizing topics and talking about those things together and having the headlines, the kilobits, and not having those long-form, just short, punchy, Uh, uh, headlines with a bit of information. This show's going to be different. There's a lot of news this week. Uh, So much news that I was like, man, I got to talk about this. I got to talk about that. So I broke my rule. But I broke my rule because last week I recorded on a Wednesday and released on a Friday. So there was a whole bunch of days uh, for news, two extra days, for news to collect. And I didn't get to talk about it. So maybe on these... Episodes when I work on a Thursday, Friday, maybe these episodes will be a little bit longer, and I hope you forgive me for that. Uh, but we're already ten minutes in, nine minutes and thirty-two seconds. So, what are you gonna do? Turn it off, I guess. So what I've done is I've taken, uh, wrote little things up and from several articles in in some cases. So I'll just mention uh, who wrote the articles, but not where things necessarily came from bit came from each article and uh yeah we'll just kind of go from there let's start shall we there's no kilobits and no news it's all news here we go uh this is from tesla rotti simon alvarez and fred lambert at electric porsche is deploying 500 fast charges ahead of their mission e ev rollout in 2019 we talked about this uh, at least I hope we did. I'm almost positive we did last week. Um, but it's comparable to the Model S. But uh, so, 500 fast chargers seems like a lot, and it is. But it's not a lot when you consider, uh, you know, the United States is a big place, and 500. It's not that much, you know. It there you that that's a good start. Uh in similar news, VW is rolling out chargers to a hundred Walmart parking lots across the United States. Uh so that's good. And I would assume since VW is owned by Porsche, and we're gonna talk about who what VW group owns, by the way. But since VW is owned by uh or Porsche is owned by VW, I'm assuming that these Walmart chargers will work with the mission E chargers will also work with the Audi E V chargers. And so on, or vehicles, and so on, and all the way down the line. Since it doesn't make sense to just make Porsche-centric chargers. Um, And also, similar news, VW, or Volkswagen Group, I think, is set to build 500,000 EV battery packs per year. 500,000 battery packs per year, that's insane. Um... The battery packs will be built in Brunswick, Germany, and it's clear that they're setting them. The VW Group is setting itself up for this massive offering of electric vehicles that they say is going to happen in 2020. You got the Audi, you got the you know several VWs that are coming out in 2020. Um, But here's something I didn't know. I knew that VW Group owned a lot of different companies, but let's go through those because they own several support companies and commercial vehicle like small commercial vehicle companies but brands that you know like VW Audi Porsche I knew that Bentley I knew that Bugatti I did not know that VW owned Bugatti uh Lamborghini I think I knew that but I don't I can't be positive I knew that and then Ducati the motorcycle group uh motorcycle company so that's that's pretty those are pretty good brands Uh, to own and it seems like with these stories that we're talking about everything's kind of coming together for this 2020 fictitious 2020 launch of all these vehicles coming from the VW group as a whole from all these different smaller companies within that group it seems like they're getting ready and they're taking it seriously which I hope is true uh, because I've said on this podcast you know probably a thousand times, no matter what, with the diesel scandal and everything else, I still think VW is an awesome company. They do great things and they build great cars. I'm a big VW fan. I've owned several in my life and I'm 43, but I don't like getting rid of cars. I don't like just swapping cars around. So I've owned several in my life and they make me happy. So I'm really thrilled to see them move over to electric. So let's move on. TechCrunch, Delvin, Devin Coldaway, Cold Coldway, Coldway. Anyway, Devin says according to the San Francisco Chronicle, Waymo has applied to deploy full autonomous vehicles, that means without safety drivers on California roads. It's pretty amazing. California, uh, excuse me, Waymo's had this project, uh, a similar project in Phoenix for a while, but they need a safety driver in Phoenix to drive. So it's not technically fully autonomous. The permit, if it's granted, will be fully autonomous uh driving. There will be absolutely no operator in the car that will uh, the cars will be around the mountain view area. It's pretty exciting, uh also very scary. but Waymo has they've had a really good safety record with their self-driving technology. And out of all the self-driving programs that are out there, and they're all technically kind of in their infancy, infancy including Waymo, although they've been at it for longer, um, I trust Waymo the most. So fingers crossed. Let's see how that goes. And we're going to talk more about Waymo a little bit later. Next up, this is TechCrunch Matt Burns. And we talked a little bit about Elon being on CBS their morning show and talking to Gail King. One of the things was he showed Gail where he sleeps when he's at the Fremont factory, which is this little conference room off the off the assembly line off the floor. Assembly floor? I don't know. Anyway, he sleeps on this little couch and the couch looks so uncomfortable. And even Gail King says that doesn't look comfortable. He says he yeah, has it's not. So What some people on the internet did is they crowdfunded to buy Elon a new couch to sleep on while he's sleeping at the Fremont factory. Um, no, let's. (laughs) If Elon wanted a new couch, he'd he'd buy a new couch, or he'd tell Tesla to buy a new couch. I I really think that he sleeps on the the current couch kind of as a way of like self-flagellation, like, um, you know everybody's suffering so I'm gonna suffer and instead of you know using some medieval whip to hit himself in the back um he's sleeping on a really uncomfortable couch and dealing with the back pain that comes after that because Elon's in his 40s I'm in my 40s I think we're pretty close to the same age and um you know I have a bad night's sleep I'm not crippled the next day but it's uncomfortable so I imagine he's uncomfortable All right, so we talked about how we're going to talk about Waymo, like a story before this. Um, This is a story from The Independent, a UK uh, newspaper. And the person who wrote it is Ashley uh, Nunes. Nunez or Nunes, N-U-N-E-S. Nuns. But uh, I don't mean to make fun of her name because I'm not trying to. I just don't know how to pronounce it because I'm dumb. Uh, But her story is a little uh, disingenuous say that. Here's the headline, driverless cars are not ready for the road as two recent deaths show. Now, two things. One is people who write articles don't always write the headlines. So it may be in somebody else that wrote the headline. So I'm, I'm not attacking anybody in this case. But that sets the reader up for something that's really not true. It's kind of true, but it's really not true. And if you listen to this podcast for any length like of time, you'll probably know where I'm going to go with this. Um, but let's talk about... Actually, she is a research uh, scientist at MIT. So this is a very smart person. This is not somebody who just randomly speaks without knowing. I'm assuming. I mean, I don't know her. I'm just but basically being a research scientist at MIT... I'm assuming she knows what she's talking about, and she does her homework. So I don't think she's just talking off the, the cusp. But one of the things is, uh, I think this article is a little disingenuous. So we're going to go through why. Uh, first, we talk about the headline being misleading. The two death, deaths that she's talking about are the Model X crash and Mountain View, which we've talked about so much. And we'll talk about some more this podcast and the Uber accident in Arizona, which we've talked about quite a bit. The thing is, is the, for the, the Tesla, in that instance, the driver has to agree that they're going to pay attention to the road and that they know that this feature is in test. They're beta testing this feature. They agree to that. And the gentleman that got killed in uh, Mountain View which is really unfortunate. I don't like to see anybody die. It's really not where I want to go. I'm not, I'm not blaming anybody. I don't want to go that way in this podcast, but he was a software engineer from what I understand. So he, he knows the game and he knows what uh, his responsibilities are. He's not somebody that got jumped in the car, turned on autopilot and and took off and didn't understand what it was like. You know, cruise control that you see people in the back seat or something like that. Like he knew what he was, what he was doing, and what he was driving, and where the limitations were. In the other case um, of the Uber driver killing somebody in Arizona, uh, the driver of the vehicle was not the owner, but they were an employee, and let's just assume. And you'd like to assume... I mean, nothing surprises me about Uber, to be honest, anymore. But we have to assume that they trained the driver how to operate the car. And in her case, we have video footage... Her or his. Because I've seen it both ways. So, let's just say there. In their case... They were looking down just before the accident occurred. So, I know that distracted driving happens I see it all the time I, I, I'm very I try my hardest it's really tempting to pick up your phone when you get a buzz but I try my hardest not to be a distracted driver and it's not easy so I'm, but in they were looking down whether they were distracted by their phone or they were distracted by something else they weren't looking at the road so in that case the driver failed because the driver is supposed to be in control of the vehicle in both of these cases the driver is supposed to be in control of the vehicle we are not at the point of driverless cars yet so to have this article come out and say that driverless cars are not ready that's true but they're not ready not because these two people died they're not ready because the whole technology is still very young and i think using these two incidents to incident incidents which are really unfortunate to emphasize your point is doesn't make any sense because there were drivers who were supposed to be monitoring the vehicle when these uh, accidents occurred and something happened and they weren't so just saying it's a concern right it's a concern uh self-driving vehicles we have to uh, pay attention because it's you have to be um, you're you're in control of the car. It's your responsibility. But so they're not self driving; they are kind of like driver assist at this point. And we need to not confuse the two. She also lists um, Ashley also lists some voice control and um, traffic updates as part of the driverless system she she says that you know there's tens of thousands of lines of code or tens of millions maybe i can't remember exactly how the article put it of lines of code to make these cars be able to do what they can do currently and by adding things like uh voice control and traffic updates that adds to the complexity of the self-driving technology well the fact is is from my understanding i don't know say that not the fact i don't want to say that uh, from my understanding, things that are involved in the infotainment type, like live traffic updates and voice control, don't have anything. They're separate. They might interact on some level, um, some limited level with navigation, but they are uh, from self. The autopilot was to say for an, in Tesla's case. They might have some interaction there, and likely they do, because if you say take me to XYZ address, it's got to go over to the self-driving car or the um, assistive car technology that they have autopilot and and take you there. But it's not directly, how I understand it, it's not directly connected and you wouldn't want it to be. So it's kind of that by saying that you're by adding these little features like live traffic updates, that's endangering drivers or adding to the complexity and making it more uh, uh, more of a possibility that the vehicle will fail I, I don't think that's correct actually I think that's wrong it's like saying um, in these vehicles if you change the radio station in your car it the car may kill you because it's not going to know what to do it's going to get confused now one thing I do agree with and I'm not a programmer I'm like a fan of programming I cannot program to save my life but I love listening to people talk about programming. It is so interesting to me. But I don't have that skill set, or the patience, or the organize, organized mind. You know, I can't even talk on this podcast without, um, you know, going off chasing butterflies in random tangents. So uh, writing code, you have to be way more disciplined, and I'm just not that disciplined. But I do know that when you fix, like, you're having a problem with let's say x and you fix it well it br- now it broke y and z and sometimes yes you know that sometimes you ship it and you don't know it until more people are using it um, so that is true the more things that you add into um, the more features you add into anything but in this case let's say autopilot that is going to cause complexities and that will or may cause failures later on down the line that you don't know about because you can't test for everything. You do the best that you can, but you can't test for everything. But to say that live traffic updates are going to cause your, your autopilot or your uh, self driving software to fail, that's just, that's really, those two can't really be connected. I mean, they kind of, by a thin thread, maybe, but it's not, that's kind of a, I don't know. In my mind, that's kind of a BS statement. How I understand it now, I might be completely wrong, and if I am, correct me. But that's how I understand it. Now I just went off on a tangent, like I said. So let me make sure that I mentioned everything in my notes here. (laughs) Would you? Would you feel comfortable driving in a self-driving car right now, like no driver? I wouldn't, to be honest with you. Um, I wouldn't feel comfortable driving with somebody that I didn't think was a good driver and also that person using autopilot. And if I don't think they're a good driver and they're using autopilot, I know they're not paying attention and I don't want to be in the car with them. Um, One of the things she mentions is Waymo's self-driving cars, which drove over 350,000 miles last year in the state of California. And the safety driver only had to intervene 63 times. That's pretty fantastic. And she does go on to say that there's a lot of uh, problems recognizing, like, stop signs and things like that. And that is true. Uh, Pedestrians just kind of randomly walking out on the road, that's harder for uh, the vehicle to predict. Because, you know, when when you're driving as a person, you can kind of see the person's body language. Are they going to jet into the road or are they not? the car really can't make that determination. So yes, that there is limitations, but 63 times over 350,000 miles is pretty impressive. I know that when I take my kids to school, their school's about 30 minutes away from where we live. So when I take my kids to school, um, I see people all the time that are weaving in and out of traffic or doing hard stops because they weren't paying attention. And sometimes, yeah, they're on their phone which is terrible and really irresponsible. But other times, I can't see. My car sits up a little bit higher, but I can't see if they're on their phone or not. And I assume you know, if I can't see it, they're probably not because people are really obvious with this stuff. And, uh, I mean, we see it uh, when you drive in a fire truck, right? We're sitting up really high. We can see everything. If a fire truck passes by you, they can see everything you're doing in your car. So if you're trying to be on the sly and use your phone, we can we can see everything that you're doing in your car. Just just so you know. Um, let's see. So yeah, on the Waymo thing, sixty-three times is pretty uh, pretty impressive because I'm pretty sure if you took a driver or a series of drivers, maybe ten, and you monitored them for three hundred fifty thousand miles in a year they're going to mess up, each one of them is going to mess up more than 63 times. It was 63 times for the whole program. So that in itself, that shows that the technology is at least as good, Waymo's technology, is at least as good as you or I driving, if not a little bit better. So again, I'm not, I'm not slamming this article, but a lot of things just don't sit right, and I don't not sure where it's coming from. And maybe it's I'm I'm reading this hundred percent wrong. So if I am, please let me know. Bodie at 918digital.com. Um so we've talked about that. One thing's uh one of the things that I do agree with, sorta, is that human drivers are gonna stick around for a long time. Um She says that human drivers are going to stick around until self-driving technology is perfect. I say that's not true at all because self-driving technology will never be perfect. Nothing's ever going to be perfect. There will be mistakes and there will be problems. So I say that human drivers are going to stick around until self-driving technology is pretty darn good, if not great, but not perfect because it's just not going to happen. There's always going to be accidents. And hopefully those accidents do not involve in someone's death. But we see it all the time in the fire service. People die all the time for various reasons. And in car accidents, you know, happens. All right. Next story from Fred Lambert. The Delg- excuse me, the bu- <laughs> the Dutch-Belgium Tesla Forum and they're a group of Tesla owners, they're studying, this is so cool, they're studying data um, in regards to battery degradation on more than 350 Teslas across the world. So according to their data, and I don't know how scientific it is, but it's still really cool that these people are getting together and doing it. And when you look at the charts, they're like, oh, wow, you guys, you're really good at charts. Uh, but when you look at their their data, it shows that the first 50,000 miles of a of a Tesla battery you lose about 5% of capacity. And you're like, oh, wow. So that would reason that at 100 and some thousand miles, right around 100,000 miles, you'd lose 10%. But that's not the case. Uh, At 186,000 miles, or 300,000 kilometers, the batteries, they're retaining 90% of their uh, storage. So they're only degrading by 10%. That's pretty impressive uh battery degradation is a that's a serious concern for EV owners and not just Tesla I mean all EV owners um and a lot of people when the Model S was first coming out and the Prius were first coming out was 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 first coming out they were saying well yeah but the battery's going to end up in a landfill the battery's going to do this the battery's going to do this you got to replace the battery every 6 years well it turns out some of those things might be true but by and large these batteries are lasting way longer than anyone expected. And it it's good news. And this I don't like I said I don't know how scientific this story is uh or the study is, but I do know that I've seen other battery uh degradation studies that were actually done by scientists and it jives. It's it's they're real close to the numbers that other people are coming up with. So um you know, believe what you want. But I think we're we're on a good path here with the electric batteries. Pretty impressive. Electric batteries. I mean EV batteries. You know what I mean. I'm dumb. So this next story, and I think it was from Fred Lambert, but I didn't write it down. So it's either from Fre- Fred Lambert or Simon Alvarez, um, or both. T- Simon Alvarez is of Tesla Rati. Both really good. I love both those guys. Uh Tesla releases crowdsourced t- traffic data and a faster browser. That's really cool. Uh, the, I used when I rented a Tesla last summer, I used their the browser, and it was like a 2013 Tesla Model S. And oh my gosh, the browser was painful. I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. But the update, uh let's talk about the navigation system first. The upgraded navigation system brings ways like data to the Tesla. Now, I don't have a Tesla. I do occasionally use Waze and it's really helpful. But basically, if you've never used either, basically what happens is if you're traveling down the freeway and there's a car accident, it'll reroute you in enough time so that you're not you can get off the freeway, you know, get on a side road until you're past the car accident and then get back on the freeway. And I don't know how well Tesla's navigation software does this, but as more Teslas get on the road it's going to make the uh, the system more efficient, and the other thing is, Google or uh, Tesla uses Google Maps, so I don't know if the data that they're they're getting is from other Teslas or if it's just from Waze users. Because it could just be the Tesla's like, "Hey, here's a uh, dump truck full of money. Uh, can we have that that Waze data?" For our our system, and they're like, yeah, sure, whatever. We're not using it. So I don't know. Um, it might be a combination of things. I know when Apple Maps first came out, they used a series of companies to kind of get their maps program going, and it wasn't very good to start with. But it, now I think it's it's really good. I I use it. I use it over ways most of the time, unless I'm going on a really long trip then I trust Waze a little bit more. But just around town, if I don't know where I'm going, I use Apple Maps all the time. So I think this Tesla navigation system is going to be good and with the updated uh, traffic data. The other story is there's a new in-car internet browser. Um, and this is Fred Lambert's story. The old browser was so slow and so terrible, I told you this, but only 30% of Tesla owners use the in-car internet. Thirty percent, but now some owners who have received the the update because they're kind of rolling it out in phases as Tesla does, they're seeing a seventy to eighty percent improvement in the browser, like as far as HTML and the speed and things like that, which is fantastic. And I say good for them. Next story is from Simon Alvarez at Teslarati. China has lifted its ownership restrictions on Tesla and other future factories, uh, companies that want to build in China. Uh, So basically, if you don't remember or you didn't hear, Tesla wants to build a a factory in China. There's two options. One is they can bring the Chinese government in and a Chinese company and kind of be co-owners. Tesla doesn't want to do that. Or two is they build in this little area of China, which is cool. Um, they're, they can still build their cars there. China, China's not going to take a, an, an ownership, or a Chinese company's not going to take ownership in the company. So Tesla gets to own it, but they still have to pay the high tariffs. Well, something got worked out. Uh, I don't know if this is anything to do with Donald Trump and the... Ban and the the tariff fight that he's in with China or if this is something that Tesla just kind of negotiated with China. But now they can own their company outright and they pay smaller tariffs, more reasonable tariffs. Tariffs. Obviously, this is a good thing for Tesla and it's a good thing for other companies that want um, to build their products in China. And as most people... If you live in France, you want goods built in France that creates jobs in France. Same thing in America, but I understand Tesla's doing this for the Asian market and maybe some of the European market. They're not, they're not going to move all of their uh, factories to China, or it's really unlikely. At this current factory that we're talking about, Tesla is going to build Model S, or no, excuse me, it's going to build Model 3 and Model Ys there, but not Model S or Xs. Those are still going to be built in the United States for now. All right. Let's see. how. Let's pull it back up. Sorry, my iPad went to sleep. Okay, so we only have a couple more stories left. Let me see. I'm going to skip that one. I'm going to do that one last. So this is Inside EV's Eric Loveday and The Verge's Sean O'Kane. We're going to talk about the Model X crash in Mountain View yet again because we haven't. We've been talking about it almost every, like at least for a month, right? Something like that, a long time. Uh, Tesla has officially been booted, or it's removed itself from the investigation, depending on who you believe. Um, Let's see, the NTSB, this is their side, reports that they, it took action because Tesla released information before the NTSB could vet and confirm that information. If you remember, uh, the gentleman driving on in Mountain View on the freeway, uh, there you got the gore point, and then you got the big cement barriers, and uh, usually you have these little metal guardrail things that slow you down so you don't hit the cement barrier. kind of absorbs the energy of the vehicle. Well, an accident... This is all if you don't know. An accident had occurred earlier, and that uh, metal piece... I keep forgetting what it's called. That had not been rebuilt yet. So uh, when the Model X uh, hit this vehicle, hit the concrete barrier, there was little to no slowdown, and it just, I mean, it was bad. You can see the the... Video or not video, so you can see the pictures online. But it was a it was a pretty serious accident, and the driver eventually passed away um, at the hospital. So the NTSB said, you know, basically you're out. Tesla, on the other hand, says that it removed itself from the investigation because of the restrictive information policy sharing. Are in Restrictive Information Sharing Policies of the NTSB before the probe ends. So basically, the investigation for the NTSB, it takes between 12 and 24 months. And Tessa is like, well, this is kind of important for people to know, because the driver was using Autopilot at the time. And the Autopilot, um, in this case, basically drove this gentleman right into that concrete uh, barrier, Uh, The gentleman was alerted several times with visual and audio um, alerts that something needed to happen because the car was going to crash. Or excuse me, something needed to happen because the car hadn't detected uh, the driver's hands on the wheel. And they never registered the driver trying to take over. Now, this is me talking and this is not the investigation, but my hypothesis is, is maybe the driver experienced some sort of medical emergency because it is not, unless you're suicidal, and we don't know if that's the case or not, but unless you're suicidal, there is a, and even if you are, you have this strong urge to protect yourself. And why would you let your car run into a concrete barrier? Um, may, And, or you weren't you just really ser- seriously weren't paying attention we won't know until the ntsb comes out with its full investigation um but the ntsb is kind of like an advisory board they don't really have any um say in terms of punishments for companies but uh tesla announced that the autopilot was on and the ntsb did not like them sharing that information and now whether they tesla removed itself or the ntsp kicked them out or a combination of both uh, they are no longer taking part in the investigation uh, now i assume that they're still cooperating cuz they you know the only person that has or the only group the only company that has that data is tesla as to what happened and i would assume that tesla would cooperate in that way they just wouldn't be partners on the uh, investigation. And the Tesla partners on two other um, accidents, and they were on partners on the Joshua Brown accident, the Tesla that hit this semi that was going across the uh, highway a couple of years ago. They partnered with the NTSB, and they helped with that investigation and cooperated. So um, I would imagine they're still going to cooperate, but they won't uh, the NTSB won't be I guess as friendly in terms of just overall data sharing with Tesla what they find until the end of the investigation I don't think there's going to be any hard feelings here I just think for whatever reason it's a it's a different opinion on how things should be shared because everybody has their own agenda Tesla has their own agenda the NTSB has their own agenda so that's just my, my best guess um now I did hear on the Daily Tech uh, new show somebody was on with a Tesla and this was a really good I didn't because I don't have a Tesla and I've never had the occasion to drive a Tesla with hardware 2 or hardware 1 I've just driven the 2013 which didn't it was a cool car but it didn't have any of that stuff Um, let's see one of the things that I didn't know it doesn't necessarily detect your hands on the wheel it detects according to the gentleman that was on the show, it detects like the resistance when you're turning. It detects that little bit of resistance in the steering wheel. That's how it knows. But the car is trying to stay in between the lines. It's trying to stay um, in between the line on the left and the line on the right. So in cases where the road expands, the, the car is going to move to center. So if the lanes get wider, the car is going to shift so that it's in the center of the wider lanes. And the same thing if it gets narrower. In the case where there's this off-ramp, and then you have the gore point, and then you have the freeway that continues on, so you have the off-ramp on the left, I think it was, the gore point, and then the, um, and then the freeway continuing on. And I might be remembering... Um, the details a little mixed up, but it's fine for this situation. The driver um, is is operating the vehicle always, but the car sees that to uh, that it sees that the the road has opened up and the lanes are now wider. So it's going to split those lanes, and when it splits those lanes, that's basically where the concrete barrier is and whether or not the car has time to slow down before it hits that who knows um in this case it doesn't sound like it did and i don't know if that's what happened in this case that's just what the the person that was on the podcast that's just what he in his experience is what he said happened uh or what he says happens to him so he also mentioned that if you are making uh you're on the freeway and you're changing lanes and you make Uh, you turn on your blinker and it's using the automatic lane change feature. If you turn off the blinker before the car gets fully into its lane and set, the car will zoom back into the lane that it was in. So because it assumes that maybe there was a car that you didn't see or it didn't see. So in order to keep you safe and that driver safe, it moves back into the current lane. So you can't shut it off early, basically. Uh, which could be a little disorienting if you're driving a vehicle and you don't know that, you know. So, just a little bit of information that I heard on a different podcast was really good. You should go listen to it as uh DTNS Labs episode whatever it was the last one that they put out. Uh let's see. Yeah. This is from Simon Alvarez of Tesla Radi. Oh man, Puerto Rico has had a very bad year. Not to mention our president's pronunciation of the the territory. But just in general, you know, um, approximately seven months ago, Hurricane Maria hit Puerto Rico. And there were, like, there was no power. The country, or the territory, I guess, is it a country? I don't know. I'm a dumb American. It, it was just destroyed. Puerto Rico was destroyed. And... um Tesla sent down batteries uh power walls to help with uh manage the grid. It wasn't a lot. It can I'll tell you in a minute how many it can handle. But their power grid went down again on Wednesday this previous Wednesday, I think the 19th. If that math adds up or the day's add up. But anyway, um Elon tweeted when he heard that it went down, Tesla batteries are currently Live and delivering power to 662 locations in Puerto Rico, the team is working uh, 24/7 to activate several hundred more. So that's that's good. It's not. A, I I don't know if that, that's a, what a percentage that is, and it goes into how much that Tesla would like to power, how much of the energy that Tesla would like to power on in Puerto Rico. But it's like the whole project would cost something like nine billion dollars. It's ridiculous. So, I don't know that that's really gonna be the case, but they are sending batteries. I've never been able to really find out is Tesla donating these power walls, or are they somebody paying for them uh Elon did when the hurricane hit the seven months ago. he did donate two hundred and fifty thousand miles or two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to Puerto Rico, so obviously something that he cares about, and he's trying to uh help those folks out. Next story. Two more left, folks. This is VentureBeat Chris O'Brien and then Tesla Roddy Salmon Alvarez. This is one of those things where we combined some stories. Uh, but Tesla was accused by Reveal, a publication, of underreporting workers' injuries. Um, they say that the factory is operating in a dangerous, haphazard fashion. Uh, Reveal put the blame squarely on Tesla management. In one example, uh, they said that there are too few hazard markings because Elon doesn't like the color yellow. So if you've ever been at a factory or a warehouse or anything, there's always these little yellow lines of caution and red areas where you shouldn't be stepping. And in some places, they have like green paths that you can only walk down. And if you if you pass that, if you get off of that path, you have to hit a button, and audible alarms go off, and visual alarms go off, and you until you get to the other side, and then you hit the button and you turn it off, so a forklift driver doesn't run you over. we were just in something similar to that at work the other day, um, but I think that the amount of warning uh, uh, colors and things like that, I think that's kind of determined by OSHA. I don't I don't know a hundred percent, but OSHA they they have a lot of rules that you have to follow. So Kala Osha, I don't know if they do or they don't. But Tesla released a very long rebuttal on their site and I will link to it, but I'm not gonna go into like the full details. But what you can assume is they say that it's not true. Uh they blamed Ideologically motivated attack by an extremist organization, which they called Reveal, and I've read their stuff before, and I don't think they're extremists. I mean, I don't have... It's not like I've read every article that Reveal's ever done, but it, I've never got the idea that they were extremists or particularly um, biased any more than any other publication was. Actually, uh, let's, let's see. Attacked by an extremist organization currently... Are working directly with union supporters to create calculated disinformation. Can create a calculated disinformation campaign against Tesla. Oh man, read into the extremist organization working with the union. I'm a union member. I'm a proud union union member. And unions are not bad. Unions can be bad. There is no doubt. But in general, I don't think unions are bad. And to say, this is very interesting language by calling the publication, it's kind of straight out of Donald Trump's, it's more eloquent, but it's kind of straight out of Donald Trump's playbook. Um, Like just saying fake news, extremist organization. I don't think they are. Um, And then, yeah, unions absolutely do things where they partner with media companies and they highlight uh, problems with companies some of those problems might be true and those are good unions that are protecting their employees. And some of the information that might be fabricated and those are bad unions. Sometimes that happens, but here's the thing. Companies do the same thing. So I'm not saying if you are, uh, sharing bad information with a publication, shame on you. If you are a publication and you are printing bad information that was shared with you, shame on you. But if The information is correct, and the um, and Tesla is underreporting or misreporting their numbers. Then, absolutely, that should be that should be brought to light. Now, I don't know obviously where the truth lies, and I don't think Tesla is a terrible company, but they are very union resistant. And I think that's going to hurt them because working with your employees, whether that's an official union or in an unofficial capacity improves the product working together, improves the product. That's, that's largely how things got through like the sixties. That's how the middle class was made basically was through uh, working with the unions. Now, I will admit that unions got greedy and companies got greedy and that caused some problems. And here we are, you know, um, nothing's perfect. Unions aren't perfect and companies aren't perfect. But if you are truly working with your employees, whether you are unionize or unofficially or not, uh, you're going to make a better product. It's just like when they talk about technology companies not being diversified, not having enough uh, people of different cultures or different sexes or sexual orientations or whatever, you have a, basically a monoculture, in most cases, white males that think basically the same. You're going to have a poor product because you don't get anybody. You only see it from one point of view. You don't see it from everybody's point of view. Versus having all these different people in there who can make a better product, a better decision because they all have a voice One of the things about unions is they need to have a voice. But they all have a voice, but they all have a point of view that might um, help the company with some missteps. Now, Tesla, I don't think, has ever been accused of being insensitive, so I don't know. There's just a lot. There's a a lot to unpack, and I'm not going to go too into it. But all of these things um, that Tesla say are true, and they're also not true. That's what you should really know. Um, Tesla goes goes on to say that they believe in transparency we heard that before and not intentionally now they said intentionally misrepresenting their safety record now I know that they probably had to throw that word in there because some lawyers like you said that we don't misrepresent our safety record let's say intentionally because we might accidentally do it hmm. what does that mean Ah, oh, man. I would just really like to see something positive come out of labor and, and Tesla. That would be that would make my heart happy. Anyway, moving on to the final story. This is from Fred Lambert at Electric Reuters and Simon Alvarez at Teslarati. Just kind of an amalgamation of all three uh, articles that I read. And I'll put everything in the show notes, of course, like I always do. So Elon sent out an internal memo. Let's call it an internal email to Tesla employees, notifying them that Tesla is shutting down the Model 3 line to make improvements in the process in order to increase Model 3 production. Elon broke the email down basically into three categories. Progress, precision, and profit. So let's talk about it. There's basically going to be two shutdowns. The first shutdown is going to happen very soon. And it is going to be to is going to allow the lines to produce between 3,000 and 4,000 cars a week. Uh, currently, in, uh, according to Bloomberg, if you l- listened at the beginning of the show and didn't catch this halfway through this very long episode, currently they're nearing 3,000 a week, which is pretty impressive considering where they were in January. Uh, the second shutdown will occur, occur at the end of June, and that will allow them to ramp up to 6,000 cars a week. So uh, now you're up to 24,000 cars a month, if that's the case. A little more, maybe a little less. Um, in you know six months, a lot of those reservation holders that are waiting for their vehicles, um, they're going to be cleared off. Uh, so that's that's good good news. Uh, Tesla is expecting to hit its goal of 5,000 cars a week in June. That's a little over a month from now. Uh, to meet this goal, they're going to be running. Uh, the Model 3 line 24-7, um, and they're hiring people. So if <laughs> if you didn't listen to all the things that I just talked about, or you did and you still want to work for Tesla, then uh, please, by all means, go and apply with your eyes open. Um, Elon emphasized the need to improve the Model 3's t- design tolerances over any other car in the world, he says, by the factor of 10. And he says he's not kidding. So if you remember right, we talked about this a little bit. Tesla kind of had some bad press uh, because some of the the earlier cars, the tolerances like for the uh, where the roof and the 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 panel met uh, that's on the, along the a post, those things didn't quite match up, and there were some other things that they just didn't quite match up, and it wasn't a good look for Tesla, especially since. They're claiming how great this car was and how easy it was to build as compared to the Model S and Model X. Turns out it was quite hard. Um, And we'll talk about this more in a little bit. But Tesla's had some issues with suppliers. And uh, Elon, on the CBS story, he admitted that he relied too much on automation and that caused some difficulties after the Model 3 was released, and that uh, humans are really important in the process, where I think he was probably trying to push out the humans, if I had to guess. Um, You can't totally do it, but in that particular, uh, along the line, uh, some parts suppliers, this is what Elon says about the suppliers, some parts suppliers will be unwilling or unable to achieve this level of precision I understand this will be considered an unreasonable request by some and that's okay there's lots of other car companies out there with much lower standards they just can't work with Tesla Ooh, that's a burn solid burn branch let's see yeah um Elon thinks that Tesla can be profitable likely in Q3 or Q4 of 2018 so just around the corner um, but they're going to have they're going to do some stuff. So it's not just sell more cars. And this makes a lot of sense and they probably should have done this a year or more ago. But Tesla's going to ca- cut all necessary expenditures that can't be justified. And all capital expenses that cost over a million dollars, they are on hold for 12 months unless Teslon Tesla Elon Tesla, Elon uh approves him himself. So There's probably going to be a whole lot of $999,000 expenditures. Let's really read into that. Uh, But Tesla's going to crack down on contractor companies. So they're claiming, uh, Elon is claiming, that there's too many middle managers with all these contractor companies. And it's difficult to find somebody who's responsible for doing the actual work. So what he said in the article, or his letter was, that you have subcontractors, you have contractors and then you have subcontractors, and then you have sub-subcontractors doing whatever this contractor wanted them to do, and trying to go through the process of all of these people, Uh, it was difficult to find the actual person who was actually working. So there's a lot of middle management there that Tesla's paying for to do no specific work. So... um, on In regards to the capital expenditures, I, I kind of skipped this part. He tells his managers, don't waste my time unless you have all of your ducks in a row and all of your information together before meeting with me. And I'm sure that's going to be a very, if you're not prepared, it's going to be a very uncomfortable meeting with him. Um, so they're going to crack down on these uh, contractors. Uh, basically, it's open-ended contracts. Um, they're turning small issues into big issues. So, you know, it's basically the money train. Like it, it would probably take them eight hours to fix this, but they're gonna take thirty six hours because it's an open ended contract, and they get paid for thirty six hours instead of eight. That kind of thing. It's a money train. T- um, Elon uses excellent to worse than a drunken sloth to rate contractor performance. And any contractor failing to meet Tesla standards will be gone by the next Monday. So it really seems like they're cracking down on all this wasteful spending. And I think that's great, honestly. And finally, Elon has some tips for improving productivity. And by the way, I agree with these tips, but most of them will probably get the average worker fired. So here's what he says excessive meetings are the blight of companies I agree with that 100% I don't have to go through to a lot of meetings but when I worked in the private sector I did and it sucked Elon also said uh, if you're not adding value to a meeting uh, it's not rude to leave you're wasting people's time it's rude to stay yeah that's pretty important <laughs> it's pretty impressive Uh, If you're not adding value to the meeting, walk out. Keep meetings short. agree with that. Get rid of frequent meetings unless they're dealing with an urgent matter. I agree with that. Uh, Use simple terms when speaking. I 100% agree with this. You have new employees that you're onboarding, and you have your own little language inside the company. It's going to take those employees, those new employees, forever to understand what the heck you're talking about. Communication should be the shortest; uh, should travel the shortest path to get the job done. Uh, free flow of information between all levels. Uh, it's okay for people to talk to directly. It's okay for people to talk directly to anyone in any department to get the job done. So, what he's saying there is, usually there's a chain of command. So you're having a problem. Let's say bolt A won't go in nut Y, right? So you go and tell your supervisor, you're like, hey, Bolt A won't go in nut Y. And so they go to the nut department, the supervisor, and they talk to their supervisor. And the supervisor's like, hey, what the heck? Bolt A is not going in, in nut Y. Why? Why is that happening? And then that supervisor is like, oh, I'll get back to you. And he goes to the person who's creating nut Y. And he's like, hey, man, why is this working? He's like, oh, it's because Bolt A guy, he's doing this thing over here. And this is the standard. The, the nut Y, that's the standard. But the Bolt A guy, he's doing whatever he's doing. He needs to comply to what we're doing. So then you go to the other guy. And there's this whole big, long um, d- 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 runaround, basically. And the guy waiting to assemble the vehicle, he's just sitting there, or she's just sitting there, twiddling the fingers, because you know all these conversations are going on, versus that person just being able to ask that the person in the in the nut and bolt department, hey, why are these things a problem? Did you know they're a problem? Because they're a problem now. Let's get that taken care of. So I agree with that to a certain extent. I mean, I work in the fire service, so the uh, we've got to use the chain of command. It's a respect thing, but it's also. Uh, there's a whole lot of other things I will not go into, but, it, but it's important using the chain of command in some instances. But I don't necessarily disagree. This um, commandment from Elon is gonna it's gonna ruffle some feathers uh, in the middle or lower to middle management if if that's in really in fact the case that he says, hey, just go talk to whoever you need to talk to to get this done. I'm sure line workers are not going out and talking to Franz. Is that a name? The Tesla designer? Franz von Holthausen. Holzhausen. Hold on. I think that's his name. Yeah, Franz von Holzhausen. I'm sure that, uh, you know, random people aren't just walking up to him saying, Hey, look, man. X, Y, and Z is a problem. Maybe they are, and maybe he's open to that. I don't know. Um, But we'll see. We'll see how that goes. I don't know that that's something the average employee is going to actually get to do, but, you know, whatever. It's a good—if you get fired for doing it, you can show this email as uh, your reason for doing it. And then the best advice— and the thing that I agree with the most is let common sense be your guide. All too often, and it happens all the time, where people get bogged down in their own head. And when it comes time to make a decision, they've been living in their own little world for so long that their decision doesn't necessarily make sense. So instead of using common sense, they're they're making decisions based off of uh, their little bubble that they're in and I think that more common sense especially in today's day and age makes sense and uh, less bubble more common sense less bubble and that's it that's the whole show it was an hour and six minutes long at this point so I really appreciate everybody who stuck it out and listened to the whole thing uh, I think there was so many good things to talk about in this podcast and I hope you guys enjoyed it Here's how you can get a hold of me if you want to, to leave a, a comment or some feedback. It's Bodie, B-O-D-I-E, at 918digital.com. You can follow me on Twitter and talk to me on Twitter. I follow people back. It's at 918-D-I-G-I-T-A-L. You can be the first person in history to call the the landline, the uh, voicemail for this podcast, which is 918 918- Four zero one zero zero seven one, and if you leave a message and you give me permission, I'll put it on the show. A nice little way for us to chat back and forth on the show, and then leave a review because it really helps this podcast out. We are on episode number eighty eight, which is amazing. Twelve more, and we are in uh, the hundreds, and that's super exciting to me. The let's see, we have, I have kind of a special thing. I I don't know if it's going to happen, but I have something planned for episode 99, episode 100 and episode 101, and it's not going to be the same show. Uh it's just going to be something special. And I hope everybody enjoys it. Uh but that's it. That's the whole show. I hope you guys have a wonderful week. Thank you very much to all the listeners. We have so many new listeners and I feel so blessed that everybody's here. Um, I want to say hi to my friend Sadi, who I said, I would say hi at the beginning of the show, but, uh, here we are at the end. I forgot Sadi. Sorry. If you listen to the whole thing, I'm sorry. Uh, he did see, uh, Fisker Karma, um, while he was having lunch the other day. So he had a little EV, um, siding out and yeah, that's it everybody. I hope you have a wonderful week and I will talk to you next friday